two wins in a row for what feels like the first time in a while. But this week was also an interesting one for many United players, some finding their feet for the first time in a while and others playing in new positions. On this week's Devils in the Details, we answer some big questions for you. Are we finally beginning to see the best of Jaden Sancho and Antony? Could Bruno Fernandes find his feet in a deeper role? And conversely, could Marcel Sabitzer belong further forward? And finally, how do United deal with the huge roadblock presented by Marcus Rashford's injury? I've had a cold this weekend, but I'm not going to let it stop me from chatting about two United wins and some Jaden Sancho form. Case, how have you been this week? Been all right, Aaron. Been all right. Uh, a bit busy. Uh, but yeah, I will not complain. I will not complain. I could complain, but I won't. <laughs> uh, let's talk about United. Let's talk about uh, these two games. Yeah, I know you're in crunch time, so get straight into it. Uh, Brentford. United, I thought, were... Pretty clearly the better side for most of this match after that really disappointing Newcastle performance, um, even though there might have been some nervy, nervy moments here. Yeah, I think I think this is a good performance. I don't think it was a great performance. There was really a, a dearth of quality chances, I would say, for United, but you can't complain. I, I do wonder why Brentford went about this match the way they did given, you know, the things United have struggled with recently. But, you know, you can only you can only play the opponent in front of you. And ultimately, Brentford gave United a lot of time on the ball in early phases. And I think that had a, you know, really positive effect on, on United's ability to outplay them. Yeah, Brentford clearly have a technical deficit, I think, with many teams in the league. And their typical method of compensating for that is pressing high, hitting the big man really quickly, trying to play off him, get into advanced areas. And I did not feel like they were doing enough in their press to stop United from playing out of the back. Like it felt pretty comfortable for a lot of this match, especially in the first half. Um, and they didn't as a result... really press very much in the first half. Like even, even from phases where you'd expect them to. Yeah. Um, it was odd. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a big theme in you know, some of the things we discussed today about individual players. Um, but on on a whole, I think what we're really seeing is the same thing playing out here, right? When teams press United, they're able to create adversity. When teams don't press United, United don't really struggle that much because they are able to get from one end, one end of the pitch to the other. They're pretty solid defensively when, you know, the defensive situations in front of them aren't disastrously difficult. And... By disastrously difficult, I mean usually created in transitions. And they don't have the best players in the league, but they have better players than most opposition teams. So that's how these games tend to play out. And I think that's how this played out. Yeah, yeah. On the macro level, I agree with you. I do think, yeah, yeah. I, I The only thing that makes me shy away slightly from that is what we were just saying. Like... I think if Brentford had been much more proactive in United's half, we wouldn't have necessarily seen that quality difference bear out. I think, this is sort of an aside, but I think 
part of how the Premier League has changed and why tactics have become so important isn't because better players don't win you games anymore. It's because better players don't just go out and play worse players on a level playing field anymore. In in the mid two thousands, the aughts, a lot of like matches were just more open, and they were more open, and, and so better teams won more often simply by by virtue of you know these level playing fields. But smaller sides are more proactive now, and they 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 put you in inconvenient positions. Uh, and so you don't see that this motif play out so often, right? You don't see, I think that, this is, again, this is a total rant, but I think when people say they think like the Premier League has changed and it's not the same as it was, what they're actually reacting to is that. You don't get to see quality bear out so, in, in such a raw form, the way you might have 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, and I think it's because of, you know, these sort of clever uh, lower half sides. And when they don't play cleverly, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to, this is, this is good. We know how this is going to go. Because end of the day, Brentford has worse players than United. It's not really close. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to pry a little bit further here. It you You talk about how, you know, tactically... Perhaps teams who are at a player quality disadvantage have more solutions now to compensate for those disadvantages than teams maybe did 15 years ago, which I agree with. Um, How do you think that influences less so tactics of top teams, but more so personnel? Like, do you think that changes what becomes important for top teams to consider um, in terms of good skill sets for their best players to have. Yeah, I think it means weaknesses in top players become more obvious. Because, for instance, I think this particularly bears out amongst midfielders. If you go back and watch matches from, you know, 2003 to 2007, you will see star midfielders, and even non-star midfielders, have ages on the ball and acres of space. And in particular, they'll have ages on the ball when turning on the ball. And ultimately what this meant is they could show off greater passing range, they played more vertically, and they were less frequently dispossessed in dangerous areas, with the exception of a few specific repeated scenarios. And I think this like drastically chain like this created a a perception of what you were looking for in a a top midfielder you wanted passing range running power the ability to you know cover a lot of this vacant acreage on the pitch and I think you see now those types of players aren't as dominant And, and obviously there's exceptions but I think a smaller percentage of them can be dominant because now you see those same players operate in much less space, be forced to turn on the ball under pressure, and when they can't, it, it is obvious that they can't. So yeah, I would say I would say that's the key difference, is just that the almost every player in the Premier League operates in less space and under more pressure than they did 20 years ago. And it, it, it fundamentally, I think in some ways it makes the game 
more technical and in some ways it makes the game <clears throat> less technical, right? Because you're placing a greater emphasis on players who can cover this ground and, and be a part of reducing the opposition space, but then you're also placing an emphasis on players who can operate in less space, which is going to ultimately demand more technicality, just of a different kind. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, and I think it bears out a lot in some of the conversation around individual performances this week. Um, and you you emphasized midfield, so let's talk about midfield first, right? Um, we were talking about a technical deficit that existed last week between United and the best teams that causes them to be inconsistent in these games. Um, in particular, Newcastle pressed United really high, and United couldn't really play out of it. In the Brentford and Everton matches... United were able to play out of the press comfortably, and we have already talked about how perhaps Brentford and Everton set up with an inferior press, or we, we talked about Brentford, we'll get on to how Everton's press was completely horrible um, in a bit, um, but also United changed their shape in midfield, or at least the orientation of their midfielders, um, against Newcastle, uh, Marcel Sabitzer and Bruno played behind McTominay at number 10, which we both found to be pretty odd. Um, and in this game, we saw a new shape that we've again never seen before, which is McTominay and Bruno played together behind Sibitzer. How do you think that affected, in particular, Sibitzer and Bruno? And would you go to that again in matches where United perhaps face a team that's better at pressing? Or would you try to move Bruno back to his original best position at number 10? I think with Casemiro and Eriksen coming back, I don't ever want to see Bruno in that deeper role again. Um, he played well in these two matches, but I think as you sort of hinted at, it was a direct product of the fact that there was no pressure on him under the, like when he had the ball. Uh, and yeah, actually, this, is, this feeds beautifully into what we were just saying about how the game has changed. Um, in that these two matches against Everton and Brentford didn't, didn't properly illustrate how the game has changed. That Bruno had a ton of time on the ball. He had a lot of, you know, ground he could cover simply by carrying un, uncontested. And he had plenty of time to pick out these, these, you know, these crazy long balls that I think are a big part of what, what's, you know, certain fans associate with the league. So... You, if you were to watch Bruno in those two matches, you could be forgiven for thinking it was his natural role and that, oh, this is actually something he's quite competent at. But the reality is when Bruno goes up against these bigger sides, or more proactive sides, I should say, he looks horrible in that role. And I don't, I don't think that's changed simply because the circumstances for these, you know, 180 minutes of football have changed. So I agree with you. Um, here's what I might think. People who follow your logic would counter with against teams that press sure bruno fails under a press i don't think you're gonna see either of us try to debate that you might see it in other places but i think the two of us both agree that bruno struggles under a press um and that's just always been the case he struggles to carry the ball he struggles to turn under pressure but let's say united do meet these teams right there are still teams in the premier league who don't have an effective high press there are still teams that make it easy in possession what if this role allowed Bruno to affect the game more than he was 
affecting it further forward. Do you think that's the case? And Or alternatively, do you think maybe playing him deeper allowed United to play more players further forward who also affected the game a lot and then also play Bruno, deep, Bruno deeper? Because we'll get on to Sabitzer in a minute. Okay, so in this particular match, all right, I definitely think Bruno and McTominay behind Sabitzer is much better than Bruno and Sabitzer behind McTominay. That's Do you because, think it's better than McTominay and Sabitzer behind Bruno? Right. So, okay. what I'm about to get into, the reason I prefer Sabitzer ahead and McTominay behind is because Sabitzer is far more technical than McTominay is and much more capable of making the ball stick ahead of Bruno and McTominay, linking play in the final third, being a part of goal-scoring moves, and just maintaining possession in that area. Bruno is even better than Sabitzer at that. Uh, He's also more creative, uh, more capable of getting on the end of goal-scoring moves, being a part of goal-scoring moves than Sabitzer is. So yeah, I would prefer he be higher up the pitch because I do think he can influence matches more higher up the pitch. If I'm forced to only have this midfield three the rest of the season, I would probably keep Bruno deeper in matches like this, but I hope we never see this midfield three again. It, I don't think it's a it's a good midfield three. It worked out in these two matches, but we've seen it work out very poorly before. So... In these particular circumstances, with the, that personnel combination, sure, maybe that's the best role for Bruno for the sake of the team. I don't think it's the best role for Bruno in this game state or against teams like that. If you have Casemiro and Eriksen, Bruno should just be ahead of them. If you have Casemiro and whoever else, Bruno should just be ahead of them. So, If you have Bruno and Eriksen and somebody else, Bruno should just be ahead of them, I think. So basically what you're saying is this might have been beneficial for the team for these games, but you don't really think it's Bruno's best role. Yeah, yeah, I put it that way. Okay. That's interesting. I I think I agree, but I want to talk a little bit more about Sabitzer first before sort of doubling down on that. Um, I thought Sabitzer was much better in this advanced role than he has been in the deeper role for, for a couple of different reasons. Um, firstly, I almost think he might be more secure with the ball in tighter spaces than Bruno in those advanced areas. I think that might be the one like he has above Bruno in those yeah, areas. True. Bruno's more creative. Bruno's probably a better shooter. Bruno's probably a better passer. In terms of I'm not movement, certain it's, Bruno's it's a better close. shooter, but yeah. Actually, Sabitzer's a very good shooter, in fairness. Um, but... I, I think it's fair to say Bruno's more creative in that role. Um, but Sabitzer added a level of security that we've been talking about United lacking when getting the ball into those advanced areas. So I think it worked that you had an extremely progressive midfielder in Bruno dropping a little bit deeper, and then an extremely secure three behind the striker in Sabitzer, and we'll get on to Sancho and Anthony later. Um, and I'm just wondering if maybe we learned... Something about Sabitzer. We were talking about last week how he struggles a little bit in build-up in terms of really um, asserting himself on games in the form of being able to craft movements to get on the ball and get it forward quickly. Um, But I didn't really feel like that was a problem. He seemed a lot more in his element this game 
positionally and um and in and in tight spaces yeah i definitely agree that this is better for sabitzer i don't think i prefer having sabitzer in that position to bruno though i think bruno is so good creatively and i also think bruno's a good off ball mover i think he's a true threat in that final third even in settled possession yeah you know I, that. I, yeah no, no no i know i'm try, trying to be exhaustive here yeah i just i don't believe that sabitzer is as much of a plus in the final third as bruno is that's not to say that he wasn't good i think he was good in this match i'm happy for him to play in this position when bruno isn't available or even when you want to rest bruno which is never going to happen yeah i think that's about as far like that's what I've got to say about it. You know I like Spitzer. You know I don't think United should sign him permanently. That also perhaps takes relevance away from this discussion because he's not going to be around that long. But I did think it was interesting. And I, I guess where I'm at is against this opposition where United are not pressed sufficiently enough to make the game difficult for the holding midfielders, I think I would prefer Bruno in both roles, both in the deeper role and the most and the more advanced role. Against opposition where United are pressed a little bit, I would prefer Sabitzer in the deeper role, although I don't think he's particularly good, and I would prefer Bruno in the more advanced role. And I think that's pretty much yeah, where I am. I agree with that. I I would add another caveat to the whole oh Everton weren't, or or Brentford and Everton weren't proactive enough in terms of their pressing. I think the the real mistake that especially Everton made, but really both of them made, you can be not proactive, you can be aggressive, but then you cannot let the match be transitional. You, You have to sit in a block and make the, the match a, a game of game of, of, independent game states, you know, United in settled possession in Everton's half trying to break down a block, or Everton transitioning fast at United, and those can be the only two things you do the whole game, but instead Everton let this become end-to-end, and there are very few teams in world football that United aren't going to win a game against when it's end-to-end. This is a team full of players who love playing end-to-end. Rashford is one of the best end-to-end players in the world. It's a bad idea. This is sort of a, a known thing. I don't really get why teams let this happen. It's very, it was very undutch like to to allow this to devolve like it did. To me, it seemed like XG. yeah. To me, it seemed like Dyche's idea here was to execute a high press against United, make it difficult for them to play out of the back. And that failed. And then when United were able to play out of the back, the spaces just opened for them to go straight in behind and hit all kinds of different players on the break. Um, so it, it to me, it felt more like an execution issue from Everton than a plan to specifically be that open. Oh, I mean, I'm sure they didn't plan to be that open. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a pretty bad execution failure, I would say. Yeah, they weren't closing down enough on the back four in particular. Like, I felt like De Gea was able to get the ball out to the back four 
and each of them were able to have two or three touches and pick out a pass into midfield or even a pass over the top, which once you're doing that, you're not really preventing teams from playing out of the back. Like, I think if you're allowing the first two lines to be passed through, you're going to have a tough time because you've already committed your first line of your press and it's been broken. So then you're you're facing basically a midfield that's facing forward against you on the ball with multiple of your players committed behind them. So it's just, it's broken and then the entire game is open. But I want to go back first. So we're talking about technical deficiencies in the side. Part of the other personnel changes in this game um Dalo came in at right back against Brentford I think that's less interesting we've talked about it a lot before um but Jaden Sancho came in for Weghorst in both of these matches he started on the left with Rashford up front and I don't think he had this loud flare filled performance in either game but I thought he was super important to everything United were doing in these matches and I wanted to know what you thought yeah I think he was very good I think he was very good in particular against Everton. I want to see how this translates again to, to matches where you know, get pressed more, but I totally agree. I think this comes back to the whole technical floor discussion where you and I get really frustrated because United just generally have to, to, to bring the metaphor forward holes in its in their technical floor. Um, there's certain positions on the pitch where United don't have particularly technical players in one way or another and it causes attacks to break down and in turn causes defensive transitions that United aren't prepared for and I think having Sancho in the side at left wing just means you have one fewer hole in your technical floor where you know things fall through the cracks Sancho is incredibly technical he if the ball gets to him it's going to get to the next player more often than not that's huge Especially in these matches where the opposition is giving you a lot and all you have to do is take it. Sancho is always going to take what's given to him. And a lot of other players at United who are very good players and are better in other game states aren't always going to do that. So it's a, I think he contributes a lot to United being consistent uh, against teams like this. Yeah, a lot of people, I think, want to see him raise his goal output. And I agree. I do too. Um, and same with Anthony, but I also think that Sancho and Anthony are part of the reason why players like Bruno and Rashford are able to be so effective in these games because they keep the ball and help United maintain territory and possession in these games, which I think are particularly not great facets of Bruno and Rashford's games. So, A... Yes, I'd like to see them both score more, but I don't necessarily think in a forward line everyone is always a high-output scorer and assister. You usually find in most teams that I think one or two players take up the the higher goal-scoring and assisting burden. And B, those two players need to be facilitated to play at their best. Um, and, in, and particularly in United's case, they have two star players who have... I'd say quite unique skill sets that need to be facilitated. And I think Sancho and Anthony made that a lot easier than we've seen other combinations of players do in this attack. 
Like, I don't think we get that with Weghorst. I don't really think you get it with Martial. At least Martial at striker. I don't I don't think you get it with Garnacho as good as I think Garnacho is. Yeah, so that's definitely something that I think is worth looking at. And perhaps one argument for Bruno in the deeper role is that you can get Sancho, Anthony, Rashford, Bruno, and a striker all in the same team. I don't really think that's realistic in games against, like you said, more proactive sides, but it could be something to break down low blocks and help control these games better. There will be matches where that's feasible. I don't think I'll ever, you'll ever hear me being an advocate for it because I hate watching Bruno in a deeper role against teams that are remotely proactive out of possession. It terrifies me. Bruno last season was gave up the ball in United's half in situations that led to goals more than any other player by a pretty large margin. And I know this because I went through all the games. The last two years, I've gone through every match and gone through every defensive mistake and attributed blame. I don't know if people know this. Aaron, I know you know this. And then posted a thread about it on Twitter. At points in the season when United have been doing very poorly defensively, um... And last season, a huge culprit for the defensive issues was actually Bruno just being really sloppy on the ball. I think he was responsible for like five goals, which is crazy. Like that's a a nuts number of, of, you know, defensive or, you know, in possession miscues leading to defensive uh, exposures. Obviously, there's some outcome bias there, but he also did it in instances where it didn't lead to goals. He's a really insecure player on the ball or rather unaware player on the ball when in his own half trying to play forward. All of that is a long way of saying uh, it gro- I, I get worried when I see that he's playing in deeper areas. Uh, so I, I, I don't think it's worth getting Sancho and the team to do that regularly at least. But yeah, I love having Sancho on the side. I, I think it makes United a lot more watchable. All right. Anthony, Anthony missed a number of chances in this game, and as per usual, everyone else was ringing alarm bells, and I was delighted that Anthony had a bunch of chances to score. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think this is a good sign. Anthony had like two or three one v ones that he could have bagged. Um, I thought he was really dangerous in both games. I thought he did all the other stuff that usually makes him good, um, in spite of his not being dangerous. And I think it really is one of those cases of Anthony puts the shots away and everyone's singing his praises and he just can't catch a break. And a lot of people think that's like a skill issue. It's usually not a skill issue. And with Anthony, it's especially not a skill issue. Him putting away shots in the right channel with his left foot. So I feel like we're due some Anthony returns here. Like we, we are seriously due. And I think they're going to come. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on to that in a few different ways. Anthony is almost two whole expected goal contributions below his what he should have. He should have another assist and another goal based on expected. He's also a career plus finisher. He generally has scored more than his expected goals. I think his technique supports that he's a good ball striker if if you look at Anthony's shot maps 
it's also that he's a really, really, really good shooter from a specific location. A lot of people have this issue with Anthony cutting in and taking these like curled shots from the top right of the box. And I think he does it too much too, but it's also worth noting that his performance from that zone is like top five players in the world from that zone shooting. So Yeah, I don't mind when he does it almost ever. Like, I really don't mind those shots. He's really good at taking those shots. Those shots are of greater value to him than they are to other players. It's sort of a similar situation to Martial. Martial also is highly adept from the equivalent spot on the left side of the box. Career for him, just outside the left, the the eighteen yard box, uh, in front of the left post, is like a almost a ten percent goal uh, conversion rate uh, spot for him, uh, and that's sort of like a, a little box where he's an incredible finisher. Anthony has the exact same thing on the other side. Those are not bad chances for United to, chance, to create against set defenses. Uh, so he's he'll he'll score a couple of them at some point back to back to back and, and people will stop complaining for a little bit. But Yeah. Um, with Anthony, there's a couple of other interesting things and, and with Sancho's numbers as well. Um, I'll start with firstly minutes played. Like I don't think people realize Anthony's only played 14 nineties this season in the league. Yeah. Um, 1,276 minutes. So three goals and zero assists is poor. Um, and even if you went up to his expected, you know, four goals and one assist is still not great. Um, but A, it's his first season, and B, I think the real thing that's deflating his numbers is that he's not getting on the pitch as much as he probably should. Um, do you think that... This is a thing that's happened with Anthony for a couple seasons now. Do you think that this is just bad luck, or do you think he's actually never going to be the type of player who plays a lot of minutes in a season? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. He's only ever broken 2,000 minutes in his age 18 season in Brazil. That's definitely a worry, right? Um, When he was in the Netherlands, he never played more than 1990s. That wasn't always because of injury, for what it's worth. His first season, he wasn't like a nailed-on starter. He he was rotated pretty often. Um, But yeah, there's been some injury woes of late. He's got a pretty small frame. I think you could conceivably say that he has elevated injury risk compared to other players. But I I wouldn't say any of it's been so long to be super concerning. He's generally still available. I think he'll probably finish the season with more than 20 starts. I think that's fine. Um, if if, that, if that's repeated two or three years forward, then yeah. I mean, you spend £100 million on a player who's available for two-thirds of matches. That sucks. Well, I think people are really expecting him to wind up to, you know, 30 goal contributions with the fee that he joined for. And that's never going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um but I also think he's probably around 10 right now in all competitions. And I think part of the reason why he's not higher than that is because he hasn't played, you know, 40 90s, um, which is like when people see Rashford and Bruno hitting 30, 40 goal contributions, part of the reason is because they play over 50 90s in a season. Um, it's not just because, you know, they're scoring and assisting every game. Um 
or scoring and assisting in multiple times every game, which is what they'd have to do to hit those numbers with Anthony's minutes. Yeah. Yeah, there's truth in what you're saying. I definitely think volume of playing time is is, is a part of this equation. Yeah. End of the day, I think the concern for me is really less the playing time and more the fact that he has one expected assist in more than a thousand minutes. Like, where did the creative volume go? He was not like an elite level creator before this, but he was a good creator. He was creative and and that's gone. Uh, and I think we're far enough into the season to be worried about that. Yeah. 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 I somewhat agree. I think a lot of it is quite volatile. Um, another point I have here is that before this Everton match, his expected goal contributions, so non-penalty expected goals plus expected assists was 0.29 per 90 in the Premier League, which is low. Like that's, that's, quite low for United player. And after the Everton match, it went up to 0.33, which shows that a couple of good matches even could get him up to in the range of 0.4, which right now is like the normal standard for this United squad. That's where Sancho is. Um, it's it's higher than Weghorst and it's lower than Bruno and Rashford, which is probably what you expect. Um, I, I'd add on the fact that his expected goal contribution like his expected goals forget the expected assists is fine and honestly exactly what you'd expect like he's getting on the end of like a quarter of a goal game that's exactly what you'd expect he's Um, he's pacing to score one and three or close i think which you know again across a is it one and four yeah but that's that's not that's perfectly fine if he was creative the thing is he's creating nothing yeah okay yeah yeah, I, I I have his FB ref pulled up in front of me. Okay, so. yeah, I um, I I would like you know ideally if he scored one in three and assisted one in like four or five, I would be pretty happy with that. Like that, I think that would be a good I mean, return that's, for him. That's that's more than good return though. Like you're yeah. scoring one in three and you're assisting one in four. That's like almost 0.6 expected goal contributions per. That's, that's close very, to league leading. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, that's higher than Saka Rashford is that. now, by the way, and yeah, higher than Bakayo Saka. Um, but he's yeah, he's light years away from that. Like he's not even close to that kind of production. Yeah, he's he's very far. And the main thing is um, assists. I think having a striker striker will help. I oh, sorry, yeah. Going back to my point about the volatility, I think the main thing here is that I think creating at his current volume. Creating a couple of high quality shots would significantly rise, would significantly raise this tally. Like, yeah, I agree. I, I think having a striker is gonna like have a huge effect for Anthony in particular. I think about the goal against Brentford, uh, which Anthony actually created. It's a cross for from Anthony to Sabitzer, but he knocks it down, and so Anthony gets none of the statistical credit for it, unfortunately. Um, but that's and what the XGN really that was high. For. That was very high. So, um, for context, right, if you think about this, if Anthony has one expected assist, and that chance is, you know, even 0.3, which is like a good chance, that will raise his expected assist per 90 by 33%. Like, he's at 0.07 now. That would put him up to, like, 0.09 right away, which is a huge jump. 
Um, so I think a lot of people, there's a group of people who think these numbers are nonsense. There's a group of people who think these numbers are like the gospel. Um, I really think they're still at a stage where they're super volatile. Even, even, even in high samples, I think people can make arguments that these types of numbers are volatile, um, with, with assists and expected assists. I think when you're looking at it in a sample of like 1490s, what you're looking at is creation of between one and three goals. That's what differentiates like bad expected assist players versus very, very good ones. So. Yeah. So anyway, all of that talk about Antonin's expected numbers aside, I thought these were two matches that were good from him. I want to see more of the getting in behind, more of the crossing to the back post. And then I want to finish a few chances. The ladder of the three, I don't know if you can use the word ladder with three, but the the last of those three I, is the one I'm least worried about. Uh, he will put away chances. It's, yeah, uh, not a player I'm worried about doing this repeatedly long term. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess where I'm going with this overall is that I think it's pretty easy in these samples and in general for Sancho and Anthony's numbers to go up quite a bit if they have more games like these. Sancho's at point four, which is like fine. Um, it's not quite where he was in Bundesliga, which was like point five five region, I think. Is that right? Um, yeah, that's right. His best season is higher than that, but for the most part, yeah. Uh, Bundesliga, his best season was 0.82, but otherwise he was around 0.55. Yeah, so I think just get the team to a point where they're stably playing well against most opposition when Sancho and Anthony play, and I think their numbers will go up. Um, I don't think this team has been a prolific attacking unit this season, and... I think that is affecting their output most of all the attackers across the team. Um, I yeah. guess you can make they, a case that it's hurting Leipzig too. They are partially responsible for it. Also, they are uh, partially responsible for it too. They've been underwhelming for sure. Um, I think we were expecting a bit more floor raising output from both of them. Floor raising being, you know, they're the ones who catalyze the attacking unit getting better. Um, but. I think what we're finding is that they're more like cogs in a possession system type players, at least in how they've played at United. And Bruno and Rashford are more the floor raisers. And I think you need a mix of these types of players to to really get through a season. And I think it doesn't make sense to go, oh, we're done with these players because they're not contributing and we're good with these players when you can clearly segment these players by their styles, and situations in which they excel. The real solution is for United to get better across different situations. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I'd add in, Sancho's played even fewer minutes than Anthony. He just got over a 1,000 Premier League minutes this week. Um, Really played very little this season. Uh, Anyway, I I think we've covered them. Yep. All right. Next, the bad news. Rashford hobbled off. He is injured. We don't know how long he's out. We don't know how long Alejandro Garnacho is out. 
What do you think of this? I mean, obviously, it's a concern. I think he has, like, more than half of our... Not actually, but I think he has almost half of our expected goals this season in the Premier League. I think he has almost half of our actual goals in the Premier League. I mean, obviously, our best attacker this season, our best forward. You just got to move on. I mean, hopefully Martial stays healthy, so you've got another attacking option. Somebody who <laughs> can be a threat on the last line. Things to rely and, on. Yeah, things to rely on. So somebody who can be a threat on the last line in these more transitional matches. We'll see. I have no idea what this... Obviously, I don't think you're just going to suddenly lose 100% of his output the way I think some people think it's going to go. The output, the output will be replaced. Uh, other people will get on the ends of these chances. But you're certainly going to lose a little bit of, of creative output. I'm not sure exactly how much, but even 0.2, 0.3 goals a game is, is a huge drop. You don't have Rashford. You don't have Garnacho. What's your front four? It depends on the match. It depends on the match. United play Sevilla, Forest, Sevilla again. All right. Forest, Martial, Sevilla might get Wout in there uh, for a match or two. Yeah, I mean, but otherwise, my, my the three behind it is going to be Sancho, Bruno, Anthony every time. Uh, and then Case and Erickson behind them. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, that's simple. I... I I think you're really, I mean, Shaw won't be available. So I think the whole team picks itself except for the center forward position in, in all of those matches. Yeah, okay. I would not be averse to giving someone like Alanga a chance, but I I think I would just pick Sancho, Martial, Anthony. I see the argument for Weghorst. Against a team like Sevilla, you're going to dominate the whole game. Hopefully. Yeah, just so everybody knows. Hopefully. Maybe this will... Maybe we'll, this will bite us, but Sevilla are really, really, really bad. If you're not following La Liga, they are terrible. They're awful. Like, 13th in the table in La Liga, but they have the 15th best underlyings, which is the, isn't everything, but they, conceivably a team bad enough to go down from La Liga. So they better not screw this one up. <laughs> Uh, question two, do you think the injury to Rashford is something that could have been avoided if the team was managed differently? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't need to be on in, he didn't need to be playing at the point that he got hurt in his Everton match. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of people saying you can't rotate him and I kind of agree in some games but you know he played the right, second leg against Batiste. Yeah, like he played. You know, like when you, you can, have you these players. I'm, I'm sorry, you can absolutely rotate him. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Even even this season with players like I want to say Anthony Erickson, at certain points in the match, every match you begin to expect them to get subbed off. And if Rashford is one of your most important players, you sub Rashford off at that point. Right. Um, it, it's one thing if you're up one nil and hanging on, but if you're up two goals, 
Um, you know, if you sub Rashford off and you're up two goals 10 times in a season, um, at most, you're going to throw that lead once. And you're going to rest Rashford for a combined, what is that, 300 minutes? Like, this stuff adds up. And it is the job of the manager to make these big decisions and take these risks that help the team get to the end of the season. And I think part of the reason why United have fallen off in these seasons, forget last season, but the two seasons prior to that and this season, part of the reason why they've fallen off at the end is because they weren't rotated properly. Players weren't rested. Risks weren't taken. Like, that's just part of being in the hot seat. And some of the solutions are always to have a better squad and to, you know, have players that you can rely on more to score goals. So if you take out Rashford, you go, oh, Anthony and Sancho are going to score. And United don't have that right now, sure. But that's what makes... That's why the manager makes the big bucks. Like, that's the type of decision that you just got to make. And I think for Ten Hag to come out after the match and say, you know, this is because a fixture congestion is extremely disingenuous because United are playing in all four competitions. That's a good thing. That's a success. This is a big club. They have the financial resources to build a squad of 25 players that dominates over all competitions in a season. They have the resources to do that. They have the ability to to get this done. So, I don't know. I would expect United to be in this exact same position next season. I would hope they are because it means that they succeeded in all competitions. Um, and I would like to see it managed better next time if we think accumulation of minutes is what is causing the injuries. I also don't think that Rashford is the first high-profile injury over the last few weeks. So... I agree. Not that they're all the, the fault of the yeah, squad rotation. Yeah. Like, I think I, I Shaw's think probably I'm... played fine amount of minutes, but... Yeah. I think... I'm not optimistic that he's going to start... I'm not... Op... I am not optimistic that he's going to start rotating more. Going forward, into next season with a better squad, into the next however many seasons he's in charge. And I've, I've said this before on the podcast, I... I've never seen the man regularly rotate in my life. I don't think those comments reflect the ideology of a man who's ready to change his ways. I, I agree with you. Going... I just think yeah. that he's wrong, basically. I think I agree with you that he's wrong, but these are the cards we've been dealt. If you look at the teams that have kept their players fit in all competitions over the seasons... Um, I think of City, they have a really strong squad, but Pep rotates through them every week. Like this is a known thing among, yeah. among FPL players. Nobody else watches City, but you know, among FPL players, everyone complains because City's players all have the most goals and assists, but they never have any of them because you can't rely on them to play. Um, that's the kind of, in my opinion, ideal where you can just switch out players and still win like nothing happened. Um, that's not always possible. You can look at some other examples. Arsenal this season. They've rotated heavily in the Europa League. They've every single week, pretty much on Thursday, they've had players who are running that competition, like Fabio Vieira, for example, who just don't play in the Premier League. Liverpool over the years. Klopp has complained about this so much, but you know what? In fairness to Klopp, when the cup competitions get too much, 
he just drops the whole first team. He just throws the cup, which I don't think is a good thing because I think Liverpool could have probably won more trophies over the years if he didn't do that. But I do accept that as a response to saying we have too many fixtures is to just make sure you take care of your players first to get through the season and drop them in the cups and say, here's what we're going to do and here's what we can't. Um, Most other teams seem to fall off by the end of the season. So I don't know. I think this is an important thing that United might pay for at some point, either this season or next, if Ten Hag manages this the same way. Yeah, we'll see how we handle the run-in. I think it's also worth mentioning that we have not had... We haven't really been rotating very much for the last five years, six years, under other managers. And we generally fade off during the run-in. The only exception being the lockdown season, when there was two months of rest beforehand. We did fade as well, eventually. Like, I think the last yeah, few the Premier League games were a huge drag. Yeah. That needs to stop. I mean, if you want to... <clears throat> I don't think United are going to win the league by a, a, a runaway margin at any point in the near future, which means if you're going to win a league, you've got to be scoring points on match days 35, 36, 37, 38. I don't think you can do that and go deep in the other cup competitions and not rotate. I, I don't, I don't think it's possible. I don't think you can play 65 matches in however many weeks it is, 40 weeks and expect to come out of that with, you know, 11 healthy, high-quality players to play matches. Yeah. Um, I'll end this on a high note. I also don't think the Rashford injury is as bad as it seems. Obviously, goal threat is gone, but Casemiro and Eriksen are back. Yeah, They've been out huge. for a while now. Um, Getting them back at the same time is huge. Yeah, and it looks like some of, some other players are starting to gear into form. Like we said, Sancho and Anthony... Fernandez, Malasia uh, played great. Yeah, we'll maybe talk about that next time. Um, so Shaw's absence isn't as bad then. Um, yeah, so even though Rashford's out, it feels like the rest of the squad is coming back in, which is not too bad. It's a good thing. It's beyond, it's beyond a good thing. No, it's beyond not too bad. It's 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 a positive, undoubtedly. Awesome. I, I'm cautious. I'm cautiously optimistic going in through these next couple of weeks. I think United can handle Sevilla, Forest, Sevilla without Rashford, and that gives Rashford basically two weeks to nurse that groin injury. Hopefully, it's not more than three or four weeks, uh, and then you just got to battle out some of those tougher fixtures without him. But I think it's doable. Rashford yeah, is not this what? whole team. Let's let's do some quick permutations here, right? So. Spurs beat Brighton yesterday. Um, Spurs are on 53 points after 30 games. United are on 56 points after 29 games. Um, so United in the remaining nine games have... Bottom half. Chelsea. Bottom everyone half. say a prayer for Chelsea. Tottenham. Aston Top Villa. Brighton. Top half. Top half. West Ham. Bottom half. Wolves. Bottom Bournemouth. Half. Bottom half. And Fulham, who are 10th, I think. So no big teams, um, not a ton of relegation contenders, but this is about as easy as a nine game run gets in the Premier League. 
If they win four of those games, that puts them on 68 points, four out of nine, which Spurs would have to win five out of eight to match. Um, so if they're able to get to 70 points, which would be five wins out of nine from those teams, Spurs would need to win six out of eight to match that. And, and that's also Spurs... assuming that Newcastle do the same. Yep. And Spurs, just for reference, it's annoying. Uh, Spurs have Bournemouth, Newcastle, United, us, Liverpool, Palace, Villa, Brentford, Leeds. So Slightly harder run. I think that's a significantly harder run. They have Newcastle and Liverpool on top of the fixture against us. I think it's not guaranteed by any stretch, but I think if United get in a good run of games against Forest and Sevilla, they're looking at Europa League semifinal, FA Cup semifinal, and need like three, max four more wins in the Premier League. Um, to have a good season, I'd say getting top four at this point, even if United fail out of the trophies, that's like a really good season. Um, if they get another trophy, that's like pretty amazing. So either which way, I really feel like top four is the best season. I mean, if United get in 10 top years. four and another trophy, it's the best year post-Ferguson. I think it already is. I mean, with top four, I think it already is. In terms of vibes, it is certainly. Um, <laughs> No, I think it's the best. I think it's the best team too. Like the two teams yeah. that got more than seventy points were trophyless, and all the other teams were below seventy. So yeah, United, you know. United are far off seventy still. Um, but yeah, five wins is seventy, um, and sixty-eight, which is four wins, would be more than all the other seasons, I believe. Um, yeah, for what it's worth, five wins is a lot of wins. It is five and nine is a lot, but. I don't think it's... It's on pace with the current United team. They've won 17 out of 29 against harder opposition. Yeah. So. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. All right. On that note, I'm going to go watch Arsenal versus Liverpool. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Case. And we'll figure out something for next week. Hopefully these games are interesting and United win (laughs) 8-0. Hopefully. All right. See you next week, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this week's Devils in the Details. You can follow us at Devils ITD Pod on Twitter or on a variety of streaming platforms. Our awesome theme music was made by Jacob Connor. You can find at Jacob J. Connor on Twitter. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.